Hello, Chimichangas. This is Michael Lobo. Just because the Human Experience Podcast episode, jeez, 148. I was joined by my friend East and Imogen, who hosts the podcast Poets and Muses, and by my brother, Tristan. We discussed, very excited, we talked about Eternals the Marvel movie. Not so new at this point. This was recorded November 22nd. Today is December 9th. I had a little hiccup in editing. Um, our baby was born. Mine and Serena's baby. Uh, 80-20 hers. And so we took. I took a break, obviously. Because newborn. Um, that's exciting. But with the movie, we, we discussed it. I really enjoyed this conversation. We we picked part of the movie. We talked about what we liked. We shared what we disliked, what could have been better, um, what we enjoyed. And, you know, there's a lot of, uh, you know, people either hate it or really like it, apparently. And what I will say is I really liked it. And I don't think a lot of movies can provoke the kind of conversation we had about Eternals. So, for all its flaws, at least it's opening those conversations about what movies could be, superhero movies, but movies in general, could be. So I'm, I'm very thrilled to share this with everybody. We're running on like three or four hours of sleep, so enjoy! excited oh my god i know i i've been reading a bunch of stuff and then listening to a bunch of stuff and i just chugged a cup of coffee which is bad at this time uh, of <laughs> night but uh <laughs> well we'll get through it do you all want to go around and introduce yourselves sure hi guys i go by east on the internet i actually have to pee so i'll be right back <laughs> that's the uh, best um, intro yeah <laughs> I'll be right back. Yeah, sure. <laughs> but yeah, I. When did I meet you? Along many when we were youth. Many years ago. We yes. Were, we were um, nothing but tight-faced babes. Yes, that is uh, gone now for me, at least. So, <laughs> you know. Last I saw yeah. you, you're fine. You're doing okay, BRB. <laughs> <laughs> go go go. When you gotta pee, you gotta pee. I, As the person that just peed before they got in. Uh, yeah. <laughs> oh, me too, but I think I'm going to need a pee break at some point because I'm chucking a lot of water. I literally just got water right now, too, just so I, my throat doesn't run dry. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, always, yeah, I keep a bottle here, too. Cool, refreshing, liquid death. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, that's, actually, that's actually the drink that oh, I'm Oh, liquid drinking. death. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, you're not being metaphorical. <laughs> the real deal. That's serious. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite thing, this is 
this has nothing to do with anything, but my favorite thing about this is the tagline for this brand of water is murder your thirst. (laughs) (laughs) All right. (laughs) What is special about this water? It's just just canned water. It's just canned like actual mountain water. And like it noticeably tastes different. It's weird. Yeah. I wonder if that's here in the desert of Arizona. You should be able, they have like an online store. You might be able to get it there. But I, my partner and I just got it walking around in like Vons. Got it. Who wants to go next on the the intros? We paused so you could pee. Oh, thank Uh, you. Valid. Yeah. (laughs) Hi, I'm Tristan Garcia. My pronouns are they, them. I... I'm excited to talk about Eternals. This is also the first time that Michael and I are physically talking to each other. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we're we're fraternity brothers. Uh, mm-hmm. We've just texted for years. Yeah, never, exactly. Yeah, see each other face, face to screen. Exactly. Uh, cool. I was going to say, are you guys like Instagram besties? Because I got a couple of those where it's like, we follow each other and we're like, you're cool. No, you're cool. Oh, you're so cool. But and we've never met or spoken. I am I am horrible at texting. So like I will always text back Mike when he get when he messages me. Is Mike okay, by the way? I I I'm dying on the inside every time, but if if that's where your heart goes, okay. I will I can accept this. Okay, Michael, it is. Uh, <laughs> but uh, Mike, every now and then, like, I'll just get a text from from him, and I'll just be like, "Oh yeah, that's right. I am awful at texting back." Yeah, <laughs> honestly, I can say that that's like one of my favorite things about Michael is that like, no matter where I've gone or where I've been, he's always been like, "Hey," he's like, "Hey, man." On? And I'm like, I'm dying, but I'm okay. And I'm like, all right. And like, sometimes that's just it. And that's like uh-huh. all I need. Cause I don't exactly. have the energy to be doing that conversation yeah. thing all the time. I don't know how I have it. I think it's just a lot of uh, daddy issues. So I, uh, <laughs> I'm that's like, a I need, whole, I that's need a whole move. love. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. I mean, that's a good way for daddy issues to come out if, you're gonna have daddy issues, right? So. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Use it in a positive way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, Imogen, you want to introduce yourself to the group? Sure, sure. So uh, my name is Imogen Arate. I am an Asian American poet uh, and also the host of this Poets and Muses that you see, which is a weekly poetry podcast where I chat with other poets about their inspirations. And we just end up talking about random stuff all over the place, random stuff. And I met Michael at the library when I was still interviewing people at the library. Remember physical stuff? Physical in-person stuff? Yeah. When you could record in person? Yeah. 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 So, um, and I think um, there was a mistake in terms of space. So I had, had to throw Michael and... Uh, his interviewees out of the space that I had reserved, and that's how we met. Yeah, East knows we've we've done podcasts. Oh, at the Phoenix where, Library. Yeah, where we reserve the room for an hour, and then we're yeah. there for two hours waiting for someone to just <laughs> kick us out. And that day there was somebody. So, um, but it's cool because it brought us all here. Yeah, uh, we're all together about, now. Yes. Yes. Um, my heart is happy. So yes, Eternals. What were your first thoughts when this movie was announced 
where is your earliest memory of it when they're announcing the cast or the trailer? Where where did you where were you first introduced to it? I feel like I went to go watch a movie. And then I was like, oh, that's cool. I don't know what that is, but we'll see. And then I forgot about it completely. I didn't hear anything oh. about it. Then all of a sudden I see a trailer again and I'm like, oh, it's out? <laughs> and so I call my brother to be like, hey, you want to go watch Eternals? He's like, I just walked out of it. But I'll go again. And I'm like, oh, it must be really good. I feel like that's the reaction that everyone had when Eternals dropped. <laughs> It was just, oh yeah, that's out now. Oh yeah, that's a thing. Yeah. (laughs) I was was totally anticipating it. I forget exactly when I saw uh, any kind of teasing. I I knew about it before any of the teasers came out. And I've been looking forward to it because I've heard about the diversity of the cast. And I was just like, oh my God, I have to see this. Just, you know, if nothing else, just as moral support. Mm -hmm. So... And then, so I was really anxious about it coming out. Um, I think I knew about it after they had already delayed the release, which was supposed to come out last year. But I'm kind of happy that they released it during this uh, year, during, especially uh, while uh, COP26 was happening. Yeah. Yeah. For me, I remember when the casting was announced, particularly um when the internet collectively i'm someone that's plugged into the internet a lot uh particularly when uh kumail uh nanjiani i'm hoping i'm saying that name right uh posted photos of him and he's just yoked out of his mind (laughs) and everyone was like oh i didn't realize you were hot (laughs) um but uh but that that was when i first started learning about Eternals and what it was. Um, I had no idea about the rest of the cast. I just knew he was in it. So, and I already like a lot of the work I've seen of him. So I was like, okay, like I'll probably go see this. And then my interest in it actually got renewed when more of the diversity and uh, not just in like racial diversity, but also um, I guess a queer diversity for lack of a better term that I can think of at the top of my head started coming up. Uh, and that made me really want to go see it. And I ended up actually seeing it twice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got to see it early before it was released in theaters. And then I saw it a few oh, days later with my partner. Hi. That's awesome. Um, I also, when they started announcing the cast is when I'm putting this in my calendar. You just tell me a date and I'll be there. Um, mm-hmm. I love Brian Tyree Henry. I love Kumail. I like Gemma Chan. And of course, I like Sama Hayek, Angelina Jolie. Um, I think I'm one of the- Angelina Jolie was a weird placement. Sorry, I just had to say that. No, I 100% agree. It's weird. We'll get to those. It's weird. We'll get to those. Okay. (laughs) Um, And so, you know, I was just excited. And and then when it got pushed back, I was bummed. But I I agree that I I think I'm in a better headspace in life now to take this movie in versus- last year which would have been interesting i guess to compare how that would have felt now what were your thoughts actually watching the movie now we could spoil yeah spoiler alert spoiler this is gonna be yeah oh by okay. the way 
Is cursing allowed in this? A hundred percent, yes. Very allowed. Yes. Okay, cool. It's, if it's you've ever heard an episode, yeah. if you've ever heard an episode that I've been in. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah. I'm I'm waiting for someone to just drop one long line of just swears just right off the bat. <laughs> oh, once we start talking about the movie, it's gonna be Jesse. Uh, yeah. 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 I wait. Yeah, I'm a I'm a huge. Um, I, I do think the movie has problems, but I just love this movie. The f- I've seen it three times, twice mm-hmm. in oh, IMAX, wow. once in a regular movie theater. And I saw the IMAX and the regular movie on the same night. Okay. Ooh. Now I feel left out. I saw it one time and I'm having trouble remembering it. <laughs> no. <it's> so long. <laughs> so like long. I love when Shang-Chi and his dad were fighting. No, that's not. <laughs> oh, I know. And then uh, let's talk about that movie later. Yo, the, yo, the bus fight scene of Shang-Chi in Shang-Chi was great. So I li- Wait, I this is Eternal? Totally. I was bawling my eyes out during the first. Uh, first sitting of that movie. I saw it in IMAX. I wanted to see it in IMAX. Just seeing the commercial, I was like, I need to see that in IMAX. And it, I I don't know. Maybe it's a surround sound. I, I don't know what it was about it. And, but like IMAX shows so much of the nuance that you do not get to see in a regular theater because some of it is a little bit too dark, at least the one, one I went to. I, I just bawling my eyes out part of it because of this representation <laughs> it was just so beautiful and i was just like oh my god i can't deal with it the representation is like hands down my favorite thing about this movie there's so much yeah i see it as you know with with my son he gets to grow up in this this world where there's a lot more uh color on on the screen whereas i did not have that growing up i forgot what movie we saw, but they had the the cardboard cutouts, right? And there was the Eternals. It was all of them. And he's just staring at it. And I said, look at this beautiful spectrum of just human beings, of uh, of colors, of ability, just looks and bot- like it. I, I'm just so happy my, my, my son gets to grow up in this time. I think, I think that's the huge thing that ran through my head. Uh, Tristan, what were some of your thoughts as you watched the movie? So I'm going to give uh, just a little bit of context before like I go fully into it. I'm actually studying film and working on making my next short film right now. So I have a little bit of background in this and I like the movie. There are a number of problems that hold me that hold it back in my mind, like falling in love with it. Uh, the diversity is like the absolute best thing in this movie. I love all the representation of different kind of like different cultures and walks uh, of life. I like that the current phase of Marvel is going in this direction a lot uh, with trying to get more color on the screen, uh, like Michael brought up. The thing that brought it down for me were this movie's very dense. Mm-hmm. Um, There's too much going on. There, there's a lot going there's a lot going on exactly but for me the biggest problem was it doesn't know i'm trying to think of like how to better explain it there's a concept in film that is most often talked about uh that's show don't tell yeah. i have never seen a movie somehow pull off both at the same time 
<laughs> Eternals kind of does that. <laughs> there's there's a lot of moments where they'll tell you about something that happened. And in the back of your head, you're like, man, I would have really liked to see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but then sure, they'll yeah. show you something awesome. And that's really cool. There's There's a lot of moments like that where it's like, oh, wow, this is awesome. But then they'll also undercut it with a moment where they like blatantly explain to you stuff that's happening. And I'm not a fan of that kind of storytelling, but I loved most of the cast. Uh, There's a handful that when we get into specifics that I have some grievances with, but I will save it for there just because I've been rambling on a lot right now. (laughs) It's the, it's that uh, death water you're drinking. Uh, exactly murder your thirst guys <laughs> you need uh, a sponsorship for this totally I, I need do. to sponsor this i'll take whatever they oh there's they sponsored joe dimaggio fun facts oh wow yeah the, the, the dead baseball know, like, player the dude that plays deathstroke yeah they sponsor him okay oh somebody else oh, okay yeah. Yeah, no he also plays player. dnd but oh, okay Okay. Yeah, yeah we're the same like, guy. We're like they sponsor a dead guy. We don't get it. <laughs> I'll, I'll take. I'll take anything. Exactly. You were, uh, well, you were. You were saying you also thought it was pretty dense. Also. Yeah, yeah I, I did. However, really, really enjoy. So I don't remember anyone's name because I. That's fine. Me. Um, so the the guy who is the engineer, the black guy, he plays Paperboy in Atlanta. So Paperboy, I always remember yeah. him from Festus. that. Festus. And yeah, Festus. I remember. Yeah, that perfect because you know. Yeah. Okay. So Festus' character was a black gay man who was married or engaged to an Egyptian or Arab seeming mm-hmm. gay man, and as a queer Muslim, I'm just like. Ah, so many people are going to be mad at this. <laughs> I love it. I love fun, it. I love it. I love it. And I fun, immediately was just like, yes. fun fact, since you brought that up, just because I feel like this is the perfect time to share it. I'm so sorry for cutting you off. Oh, no. This, go ahead. this movie's actually banned in yeah. a few countries in the Middle East. I'm sure yeah. it is. <laughs> Yeah. I was like, Habibi, what's wrong? And I was like, <laughs> <"Yalla."> <laughs> <I'm pretty good." laughs> I was like, wow, I love it. I love it so much. And I, I knew that it was going to kill a lot of people on the inside. And I oh, yeah. Like, I actually think they really, even though they uh, obviously they did play it up, but they made the clip so short. But I, I wish they would just make this, make the song worth it because they obviously mm. made it the romantic scene it was a beautiful romantic moment when they kissed yeah yeah well the lead up to it first of all i love that they use arabic they depicted arabic as a language of love Mm -hmm. to me it just meant so much because so much of hollywood depicts arabic as a language of terrorism as a language of death you know and and so I love that bit of representation, that linguistic representation, which is so missing. And and it's, you know, if you think of that fucking show that I hate the boys, I hate the boys. I haven't seen it. Oh, don't see it. It it really just like too big for its breeches kind of of thing. The boys is another one of those really dense shows. Mm. Yeah, but, you know, like, I agree that the storyline is very dense, and I totally agree with Tristan that if they just lessen 
the exposition, mm. the movie would have been so much better because I feel like they actually, um, it must have been, I, I, I wonder if it was a post-production choice because I felt like there were a lot of scenes that actually was um, made the exposition completely redundant. They didn't need to. Like the first, the first shot of the movie, because I had read some reviews when I went in, when I saw the first shot of the movie, the Star Wars, you know, um, uh-huh. the, send the up. The text crawl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just like, this is awful. Am I going to hate this movie? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, I, that freaking text scroll is so awful. If they just started the movie with that gorgeous shot of the sun and this you know, 2001 Space Odyssey kind of send up shot of the, the spaceship coming in, crawling into the, that would have been breathtaking. But no, they did the stupid text crawl and it wasn't even space balls, funny text <laughs> crawl. It was like shitty, just straight up. It was like a stupid font too. I can't, I just, I hated that text crawl. Papyrus. <laughs> <Was that? laughs> Back <laughs> in the day, many years ago, papyrus would have been good. They many years ago, used... many years ago, written in uh, wingdings. Oh no! <laughs> it was just like I hated that first shot. I, I, I still do. And the first viewing, I hated all the geotags. Um, even though, um, I because again, I feel like during the actions, um, there were scenes where you know, like. Ajax, for instance, talked about when the first uh, instance you see Arisham, you see Ajax say, oh, Babylon's blah, blah, blah. So she, we didn't need that geotag. And I feel like the geotags actually made it so much. It was like just intrusive. And I thought they could just get rid of that, even though like it is helpful. But I'm just like. There's so it's, many other ways to do this. There, there's My, a right way and a wrong way to do right. it. Right. Yeah. I agree that that might have not been the best way, but I also feel like uh, Americans are dumb and they're not going to be like, oh, <laughs> the beginning Can of time. Confirm. Okay, Babylon. Yeah. Oh, Samaria. <laughs> oh, okay. This is probably Iran. Oh, you know, we're in Europe now, but, you know, Islam was founded. Now Christianity's fighting them. And then this is like the Mayans and all that. Like if they didn't put Babylon, we're in Samaria, we're in the Iran, we're in Mexico, we're in this place. People would just think, I just I just don't think people have the fundamental basic knowledge in geography and history to understand that. Like I'm super nerdy when it comes to that. So I would have known, and maybe from hearing you speak, like you may have, may have known like where they were based off of like what they were wearing or like the big blue, beautiful, blue, beautiful, like gates of Ishtar. Like I know what era that's from general public, probably not. So I feel like that was probably something that may have been a post-production thing, but yeah, sleep with Americans in general are stupid. Hello, I am general public. (laughs) (laughs) But I think, (laughs) yeah, I think think that's the thing is that if you're going to make a dense movie, then challenge your audience intelligence. People don't want to be challenged. That's the thing. No, but that's the thing, right? This is is a, a visionary's work, right? This movie is visionary. It breaks with so many norms, Hollywood norms. That's why I love it, despite 
these problems that like just like the first scene making me cringe like first shot making me cringe is not a good way of going into the movie but by the last shot of the movie i would just like i'm seeing it another time and like an hour afterwards i saw another time like literally that moving to me so i i understand that you know i i can understand that's probably the logic that went into it and that's why maybe that's why it seems so intrusive um the only scene where it was it it was kind of okay was the babylon scene because they didn't start off by giving you the geotag they did the, the fight scene first and then did the geotag when they were gathering and it felt more cohesive that way but still i was just like again because during the uh, show when they were showing us you know during the movie's actions they mentioned these places so they could um, you know as tristan said they could have continued to do that they could have make sure that that was done for all of the just give a little bit of a context i, I think they could have done that you bringing up the challenge us kind of idea of this movie because I 100% agree, like, this is definitely, this is not a standard Marvel movie. It's very different, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which is something that I really appreciate and that I like. It, it does show kind of signs to me that uh, Chloe Zhao, the director, was kind of struggling to buck, but also maintain that Marvel formula. Because mm-hmm. uh, you can definitely see it in some places. But um, the part that stands out to me, and I am going to get a little bit negative here, just because this is a scene that I think kind of shows that struggle quite a bit is um when i forgot her cersei when cersei makes first contact with erishim mm-hmm. uh and erishim reveals the truth about the eternals that uh they're like synthetic that they're robots effectively made by him in space and at this point they had already established that some eternals have memories of like their past lives but they don't always remember stuff or uh sometimes like they'll go and they'll have like their memories erased if there's a problem right Mm -hmm. and then she has that moment cersei has that moment of confusion after erishim is like oh you've done this countless times and she's like but this is the first planet that i've come to they give that moment with enough context earlier to be like oh my god they they erased her memory like that makes perfect sense And then they immediately go into explaining, oh, we had your memory erased. And it's like, no, don't do that. You had the ball teed up, ready to go. You were right there. And you just went straight into the explanation of how that's already happened. Like, we've already figured it out. You don't got to explain. Let me, like, let me piece it together. Let me think this through. That's probably why the movie was so long. Yeah, because they have to explain so many different things. Um, and that's that's particularly frustrating because that's a moment of it's like, oh, this didn't need to be here because we already like you can already piece together with context from earlier in the movie. And there's a bunch of different scenes like that, particularly. <sighs> I'm getting a little heated because this is a character that I really like, but I hate how they used her uh, with Sprite. And her attraction to Icarus, <laughs> I hated that. She's a cut, <laughs> trifling asshole. I, I like. She is so. She is so just. Oh my god, I love that kind of little shit. Like that little little bastard that you're just like. Mm. 
you're uh-huh. dumb, but I really like you. I hated that they had that moment in the Amazon where they're like, oh, it's very clear that Sprite is in love with Icarus. And like her and Kingo have that moment of, you know, it's clear that you have feelings for her. It's like Peter Pan and Tinkerbell. Tinkerbell loves Peter, but can't do anything about it because she's stuck as the way she is. And that's a real good moment. And then they immediately later on re-explain it again of just like, oh, it's clear she loves her. And that's the reason why she's betraying us. It's like, you don't, <laughs> you don't need to do that. <laughs> well, no, actually, I, I didn't mind that one in particular because it tells us, it hints at what Kinko's relationship with Sprite is. And it hints at something that obviously this movie cannot explore because, yeah, <laughs> because Leah Mahew was 13. Okay. Yeah. So. It, it that's one of the storylines that I'm like, okay, she's thir- she's the body of a 13-year-old attracted to like an adult. I don't care if they're like millions of years old. This makes me very uncomfortable. <laughs> well, I don't like this. But that that sort of that directional uh, attraction is kind of normal, right? Because you know, mm-hmm. like think of our teenage crushes. A lot of time it's somebody like famous, you know, who's older. And also Hollywood just has a way of grooming especially young girls to like older male stars which by the way this movie completely blows that out of the water i'm sorry i'm gonna go to casting Um, if you look at the cast the main cast all of the women except for leah mahew are over 35 in -hmm. fact most of the women are over 40. so these are basically old-timey hollywood castaway Women, women do not basically start to get ignored after they're 30, probably uh, at, at late 20s even. So it was so subversive to realize that all of the women, except for Leah Mahew, was over 35. And also, if you look at all the love stories and if you look at their male counterparts, they tend to be a younger cast, Don Lee, and um, between Don Lee and, and um, Angelina Jolie, that's one of the more quote unquote normal ones where he's like mm-hmm. five. He, the actors are like have a five year difference where the male is the older one. So the, the Hollywood tends to have this casting of older male characters with uh, older male actors acting with a much younger uh, female uh, actor as a love pair. Mm-hmm. Um, so I love that subversive nature of this particular casting choice, which is not always in the forefront of what people are thinking. But then you realize when people are clapping the McCary and, and drew it love oh, relationship, oh. you're like, that woman is like 48, I think. Uh, I think what's her name is 48 and drew it is 29. The guy who's playing playing Druid. So it's really interesting, all of these dynamics. And then again, the Kinko and Sprite dynamic is interesting as well, because again, I didn't mind the exposition so much or the repetition so much, because Mm -hmm. it shows us that he's been observing her. Remember when Gilgamesh tries to sit next to them? And he was like, can't you find a seat somewhere else? Then you realize, oh, because like... (laughs) 
I, I didn't realize it was until I think the third time I saw it because the second time I was like, wait a minute, is Kinko's character another potential uh, character? Uh, you know, could they explore uh, the potential of him being queer because of his um, admiration of Icarus? Then I was like, oh, there's a reason why he wants to be Icarus. And that's super interesting that like the more times you see it, the more you realize the dynamics of some of the relationships that are just hinted at here and there. And that's what I love about the movie as well, because it's not something you can just watch once and then like, yeah, whatever, you know, and just forget. You Guilty. can watch it. <laughs> 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 yeah, uh, East, you brought up Angelina Jolie earlier. What, uh, what were your, why? So yeah, go I for have it. feelings about Angelina Jolie. I don't think she fits as a superhero of any kind. I mean, even when she was in that like 3D live action slash animated like Beowulf thing. Oh God, Beowulf! I, I didn't think. <laughs> I'm I just feel like she's, a Beowulf. We should all forget about that. Like, we really should. We've been trying. Like, you brought it up. She's not, <laughs> she's not as versatile of an actress as. Like I just felt like her whole thing in that movie, her whole character was boring. She couldn't have not existed in that whole movie, and they could have just mentioned her, and it would have been enough. I, I, even Selma Hayek, I feel like I, I, you know, I love Selma. I love me some Angelina Jolie too. I'm just kind of like, y'all suck at this role. Like, they're, like Issa Rae could have done a better job. And she's a comedian and not like a dramatic actress. So it's like, I don't know. I just had, I was just, uh, the casting there was weird. Much, I would have much rather have, God, what are words today? Like the cast was like <laughs> semi super famous and like maybe not that well known people. Uh, and then it was like Selma Hayek and Angelina Jolie. And you're like, why are you? Like, it's so weird. It was so weird. I think maybe they like ran out of people or they were like, we're going to put you in this movie, but we don't know how. And then they, they kind of made it work. Like I star think, power. I feel yeah. like if Angelina Jolie and Selma Hayek switched, because when I think of Selma Hayek's character, I think of like Gaia from Captain Planet. Mm. And so I'm like, okay, Angelina Jolie could play a really good Gaia, but, or Gia or whatever, you, however you pronounce it. And so, then she would have been white. It would have been a white but Gaia. See, there, there's another problem there too, <laughs> but I don't think Selma Hayek has Gaia energy. I feel like Somebody with Angelina Jolie energy of color should have been Gaia or their whatever, Ajax, whatever. I did appreciate that lead character is an Asian-American woman or Asian woman. I don't know if she's American or not. British. Um, British. British. Asian, British. Asian, British. You know what I'm talking about. She's a person. (laughs) I... Oh my God! Speaking of Gemma Chan and of Cersei, is that what, what her name is? Yeah, Gemma Chan. Yeah. yeah. So this is this is the thing that this is the thing that sucks. This is the problem with ensemble casts: is there are so many different characters that are so great and like super interesting, or like and like all the performances are good. The problem is when it comes to like the writing of this movie, like purely the writing. 
I feel so bad because Cersei is the least interesting protagonist. She's so boring. And the fact that she was well, the whole time was so upsetting because and when like, I see like the other characters, I'm like, damn, you really stole the show. And Gemma, Gemma well, Chad plays her super well. I love the performance. It's very good. It's just, she doesn't have anything as interesting as like, the morale, the struggle of morality that like fastest feels when that's all she, she did. Yeah, yeah, yes, then- yes, totally agree with that. I think like this is what make her character flat because her only flaw is that she's late all the time. I was like, come on, give me huh. a fucking break, okay? <laughs> I think I think there are some there are some casting choices that really perpetuates stereotypes. Gemma Chen was basically replaying her role in Humans, which is this British TV series where she. I think I've heard of that. Yeah, it, it's very similar because she's also an android and flesh android. Yeah, so we, it's it was like, oh yeah, of course she got cast to this, and and that's not fair to her because I'm sure she has range. Like, but I felt like making a black woman, first of all. None of the, with the exception of McCary, none of the female characters fight ugly, okay? And also, uh, making a black woman uh, character having sticky fingers is really problematic to me. So I think Gemma oh. Chen's character, if you would have made Gemma Chen's character Cersei, uh, one that has sticky fingers, that would have made her so interesting. I feel like there's there were some unexplore perpetuation of stereotypes um, that are in here, uh, including by the end of the movie that just rushed to go back to white male dominated cast by the, you know, after after post credit scenes or the mid credit scenes. I would just like, hang on, at least Black Panther waited until Infinity War to go back to all white, okay, or majority white male. <laughs> I'm like, can we at least give this movie and to to this beautiful, diverse cast? Can we at least do that? But I feel like uh, MCU is kind of pussyfooting when it comes to diversity. I mean, even in The Black Widow, it kind of does the same thing. Basically, sorry, I'm going to ruin Black Widow as well. It's okay, I don't care. Don't, don't even that. get me started on Black Widow. I <laughs> hate that movie. But like, you know, in Black Widow, basically, they're fighting the patriarchy. All the women awoke, you know, that's the symbolism of it. But mm-hmm. then by the end credit scene, you have a woman come in to basically try to pull the wool over their eyes as well. I'm just like, what's the point of this whole movie? You just <laughs> negated the fucking movie. Uh, you bringing up makari gives me my biggest my biggest fucking criticism of this movie oh yeah i wanted so much more time with makari yeah there are so i'm lost makari is the deaf one okay she is my favorite she's the one that she's awesome yeah she's such a cool character and they literally say they literally don't use her at all until they left her in the the ship She was literally buried underground. It's like, dude, you could have had her doing so many different things. I definitely see the critique of having a Black character being like very sticky fingered ceiling things. The way that I was looking at it when I first viewed it was more of like the kind of like Indiana Jones, like archaeology type character when I first viewed it. And 
I would have been so down to see her go to and like have like a career in like looking at different like archaeological sites because she mentioned she was looking specifically for the emerald plate I believe mm-hmm. I wanted I would have loved to have like a moment where like they go and they find her because they have Excalibur in the in the domo in the ship I would have been so down if our introduction for her was in like some other like country like in the ruins of a country and like a castle or something like that and it's her finding Excalibur that would have been so sick but no we just you just use her at the very end and then she just is there to like fight and get ugly and it was just like guy it's really funny you say that about her having this potential like archaeology plot Mm -hmm. line is when they it reintroduced her in the movie. They literally were like, okay, mind control these archaeologists out of here exactly. so the Domo can rise up so she can be reading her book like, oh, it's time to go home? Like, yeah. all, she could have been one of them and then, then they could have been like, hey, get out of like, here, guys. It's like, hey, we need to talk. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, just the... Even that, like an extra five, six minutes could have made it better, but... Uh, yeah. There, there are so many parts of this movie that I'm like, if they were, if they spent just a tiny bit of time in the oven, just a little bit longer to bake, this would have been great. And and like, I still like the movie like as it is. Mm-hmm. It's just like, it's too big. It tries to do a lot of things, and those super interesting characters, some of them get a lot of time to shine, but there's too many, and not all of them get the time that they deserve. It, yeah. And that really frustrates me. <laughs> I I feel like that is part of this movie's job is to introduce a new troupe uh, to uh, to the MCU universe so that they could Disney Plus and blah, blah, they could exploit that, you know, like have a series, have one-off movies or origin stories of all of them. You're talking about 10 characters. That's basically 10 movies in the future that they have. Yeah, Even the ones that died off. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And they could I do am. prequels. All of, I mean, um, one of the huge functions of this movie is that setup. And it's a total financial concern. Uh, East actually brought up a super good point of the characters killing off. I feel like this movie has like the strongest ending of any MCU movie, like point blank. Yeah. Like I you think so? I love this ending. Like it, it's a like this is definitely just like Imogen said. This is one hundred percent like a setup movie. Mm-hmm. I loved that moment of at the end of the movie when um, Dane was talking with uh, Gemma, just like, "Oh, there's mm-hmm. something about my path." And then <laughs> he gets stolen. Arishim shows up. Arishim shows up, and he's just like, "Hey." Like a bill collector. You did you did a bad. You did a no-no. So here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna keep this to a coin toss. We're I'm gonna like analyze your memories, and if I deem them unfit, I'm gonna destroy everything. And then he just leaves. Yeah. Like, yeah and and I thought that was just like <laughs> that moment when he said that, I was like, uh oh, we're screwed. Oh that, yeah. That was that was like one hundred percent like for me, that was like a jaw-dropping moment of like Oh, oh, next. <laughs> oh, <Eternals>. no. <laughs> it's it's such a good cliffhanger ending. And there's there's still a bunch of like unanswered questions because Sprite is turned human at the ending. So it's like, well, what's mm-hmm. she doing? She has to know that something happened because Erishim just showed up. 
yeah. and took three of them and then the other three are still out in space so it's like what's happening here i feel and like captain just... marvel is going to get involved for absolutely oh. no reason she, <laughs> she is getting another movie this phase i think uh because i have seen timelines of it everybody wants she's... to make her a lesbian and i'm just like leave I... us out of this just... <laughs> leave us out Leave us out of this. I wonder what they're Decline. doing, though. I mean, finally, a female. Sen- I mean, she's basically before the Eternal showed up. She was basically the strongest uh, superhero in in the MCU, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. they a they wouldn't let her wear the damn glove. In which case, Tony Stark wouldn't have had to die. Uh, B now they're basically making her into a team effort, and I was just like. Can we give a woman a series where she's on her own and she's being a badass superhero? Can we just have that? Can we? I I feel so much fear in not not only the reaction to this movie, um, but also in the way that MCU handles these movies where representation is a dominant theme, right? Whether it's a women's uh, center movie or a, a very diverse cast movie. And to think, you know, they all end up <laughs> uh, dying for no reason, like Black Widow. Oh, we'll get rid of her because she can no longer have children. Let's get rid of her in the, in what was it? In, in, uh, in, in, in game. Endgame. Endgame. I was just like so pissed. I'm like, these messages that MCU, which is a worldwide entertainment body i mean they have so much influence what are they saying what are they saying to all the people who watch them right and 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 i just have so such problems with these reactions to the movie and i i think i don't i don't understand the backlash to eternals i um, I understand there's some critical aspects that make sense, like what Tristan said, and also there the provision of why they didn't get involved in human affairs. Again, it does not make sense, especially in consideration of Infinity War and Endgame. Mm-hmm. And like the whole point is that you want emergence, so shouldn't you have fought? What's his name? The purple one? Thanos. Thanos. Thanos thank it you. Was, it was very hand wavy of just like oh, yeah. yeah, it's not. It's not. It's not it's not that <laughs> yeah that was so that was such a crappy lack of logic explanation i would just like come on no that's not that's not enough I you feel, know what? i feel like they're like bad employees working at a company because i I've, <laughs> I've read a bunch of articles on that and like yeah that is a big critique like if the point is for them to have human energy then you should prevent stuff like the holocaust and and thanos and all these things that kill but- humans and I think of just bad employee, like, so Ajak was the one talking to Arashim, yeah. who told them what to do. Yeah. And now that the, the regional manager, Ajak, is somewhere else, everybody's like around the world, no one's doing their job. So no, one, no one's <laughs> able to contact HR and be like, hey, should we be doing, should we, because I think this, we should probably interfere. No, no one can get a hold of Arashim. like these just they're like bad employees and they see stuff being spilled on the floor of walmart but they're like no one's told me to clean that up so yeah i'm just gonna go on break i'm gonna go on you know but you know when you think of this like like, all of these all the things that you guys are like it makes no sense like that you know you're trying to piece the puzzle it doesn't make any sense like 
These are things I never thought about. I watched the movie and I was like, oh, that was a little long. I could have done without A, B, and C, but it was cool, <laughs> you know, because when I watch movies or TV or anything, like, this is why, like, one of my friends, I do not talk to him about media. I literally have to stop him and be like, you and I, we consume media differently. Like, I started watching Cowboy Bebop and he was like, you know, it's really funny that. Oh, and, like, okay, was describing was how the music would be made and the episode would be tailored to it. And like, I don't care about shit like that. I really don't. <laughs> I don't I, I, oh, like all these puzzle pieces that don't fit that you're, I was like, yeah, I guess, I guess you're right. Yeah, like I didn't notice. I have a fully smooth brain. I probably <laughs> took, you know, some drugs and was like, wow, explodey, explodey. Ooh, she can run fast. Nice colors. That's cool, you know, like. <laughs> that's the only reason why I pay money to watch Fast and Furious in Dolby surround sound. Uh, That's why you just turn off the brain Uh and you watch the pretty colors and the beautiful people on the screen. And I think that a lot of people do that with Marvel movies. Like, don't get me wrong, like, huge nerd. I do dissect some of the ones that I'm familiar with. Like, I'm huge on myths and legends. So when Thor came out, I was like... According to my calculations, Odin did not, you know, like I really was (laughs) deep, like waist deep in that movie. But something like, you know, like Spider-Man too. I grew up watching Spider-Man in the depths of every show movie segment that came out. I mean, Wonder Woman's DC, but like Wonder Woman, like that could have been so much better. It was just boring. It just was not, it wasn't even that it was inaccurate. Like I don't even care about the accuracies to the comic. I'm just like, this movie was boring. Like, you yeah. made Kristen Wiig a villain? Get out of here. Get out of here. <laughs> so I think that's important to keep in mind is like, there are people like us that are, you know, super nerdy and we're going to be like, hmm, this doesn't add up. But most, I feel like most of America is just like, yay, entertainment, turn brain off, watch TV, you know, and I mean, I'm one of them sometimes so uh, that's just i want to throw that point out there yeah and then you get that sorry go ahead that i think that might be why it's getting the backlash because it's this movie doesn't allow people to do that it's saying look at the depth look at the layers that exist and they hate it (laughs) yeah Yeah. They, but yeah. that's that's why I love it because I love Christopher Nolan movies. I I want a movie where I'm like I can I can see it twenty times and I still find something new in it. They and, they they see the they see the gay black man and his husband and they go, nope, I don't like that. And I'm like, like it's so good. Oh, yeah, it was so good. That's and, and they have a kid. Offensive, and they have. A, I know. And oh there's a, a sex God. scene in the first 25 minutes. What? Why is she moving her hands like that, Dad? She can't hear. I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> like, this movie's weird. This movie. Oh, get it. <laughs> God dang it! I don't oh. understand what these. Whatever was like about this movie. Um, <laughs> imagine people getting upset that Angelina Jolie was with uh, an Asian actor. Oh my god! That beautiful white woman with that Asian man, that chat. How Chinese dare man. he! You know, everyone's Chinese if they're Asian to a racist. So. Yeah. <laughs> Completely unrelated. I found out where I know that actor from. Don Lee. He was in Train to Busan. He's yes. Korean. Yes, <laughs> I He's was Korean? not ready for that. <laughs> Yeah, he's famous for that. Yeah, Yeah, I had no idea. I was like, he looks so familiar. And then I saw Train to Busan again, and I was like, oh. 
Yeah. Okay, I I confess I'm a total bad Asian and I'm East Asian too. So when I saw the trailers, I thought Don Lee was the same guy that plays the um from Doctor Strange? Yeah. Girl, yeah, I did too. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah. I looked at him, I was like, that's not him. Everyone yeah. everyone I know, like even my friends, some of my friends who were like super like they're they're like super focused on like Asian representation because they're like um they're Asian, Pacific Islander, like Filipino, Japanese, Korean. They're just like, yo, what's Chang doing here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know what, though? I thought it was him until I watched Shang Chi. And then I was like, huh. And then I found somebody thought the same thing on Google, of course. Yeah. There's a side by side of them. They look similar when they're away from each other. But yeah. if you look at them side by side, they don't yeah. look that similar. They're very different. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was like, how are they going to pull this? You know, then I was like, oh, he dies in the movie. And then I realized it wasn't him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Wong, no. Uh, one scene that, that stood out to me that, that I liked was when Athena is, is first having the, the mad weary. And um, Ajax goes up to her. You know, she puts her hands like on her head and says, you know, you are okay. You are loved. And I, that's uh, something I'm, I'm sort of working on, like with my therapist and, and trauma. And I sort of like how trauma is is brought up in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. I thought, oh, we're doing this in a movie? Yes. Like, I was like, we're talking about, you know, just, just trying to ground yourself and being okay. And um, uh, I, ju- I just, that really touched me. Yeah. For me, that was the thing that kind of like... <sighs> To get to get a little over Sherry, sorry, Imogen and East, because I'm meeting you for the first time. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, it's okay. But like, at, speaking as someone that actually struggles with uh, post traumatic stress, that was what helped Athena fit into the cast for me. That was like the moment of that moment where she just kind of like turns off, goes on autopilot, and is mm-hmm. like lashing out at people, or even just like kind of cowering staying safe like that moment when the i almost said the divergent i can't remember what they're called the deviant Deviant. yeah Uh, when the deviant the alpha deviant is using that against her and she's just kind of like cowering and like quivering back and like sitting still that was a thing that really resonated with me because i was like that's that's pretty spot on for like how it is Mm -hmm. this is a very accurate representation and I could have done with less Angelina Jolie in the movie in favor of other uh, characters. It very much felt like they were like, ah, she's a star. We got to use her. But those moments where she was uh, doing that, I felt like were very strong for her as the performer. We didn't need all the in between. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I really wish that Arisham was voiced by Pierce Brosnan. (laughs) this is a personal thing isn't it (laughs) everything the land touches is ours (laughs) i am so sorry (laughs) (laughs) he was james bond he was in miss doubtfire that movie Uh, where jackie chan's daughter dies in an explosion yeah i'm an an awful person why am i like that (laughs) (laughs) who invited you you Uh, you did. <laughs> oh, I'll kick myself off. Um, but yeah, I also feel the same about the emotionality, the emotional range of the movie, period, is that to see 
superheroes that are not well first of all they're again the nuance of it right yeah. it, this movie challenges people from looking at action movies superhero movies with a very binary lens in multiple ways obviously on the emotional range to show the superheroes having struggles i mean the i think the icarus the most interesting thing scenes with icarus with Thena is seeing that how they deal with trauma even drew it right it's when he shows when he was crying during in, in mexico yeah, when drewing so yeah. much <laughs> i'm so worried white people are gonna latch on to him for the wrong reasons oh god <laughs> <laughs> yeah because he had a cult because he had a cult and he's just oh people suck all the time am i right guys right this is why we <laughs> should know. stay together Druig had he had so much ah, he was so cool i liked him so much uh sorry i did not mean to cut you off imogen i'm so sorry <laughs> <laughs> it's okay but that's what made him interesting is that he wanted you know that struggle between wanting to do something and having his hand held back or all of them having that but you know he showed he's sort of the rep representative in the group in showing that aspect and i love that nuance of the the emotional nuance of seeing the male characters cry visibly cry the ptsd was wonderful at the same time again i wish they didn't use a woman character for that because, again, it's this perpetuation of women being crazy. Um, mm. Even though we knew later on that, you know, it was not craziness, rather that she saw she, she was remembering, still, it still perpetuates that stereotype. I, I know what the director was trying to do at the same time. I was just like, ah, yeah, I, you know, it's just because unfortunately it is in a superhero genre a lot of people are not going to go home and analyze it and think about it they would just say check i'm going to file this under women are crazy again so that's why whenever casting is involved i always want to look at the what are the intentions and what are the unintended consequences mm -hmm. uh can we talk about Kamal Nanjani's character and how hilarious yeah. he was and the he was like oh how did you pull this out the, that Bollywood scene I was like yes yes Kingo yeah. with his literal finger guns yeah <laughs> he he to me is definitely like the most he's the most captivating like he's the most interesting character just because you see him continuously have a moral like an ideological like challenge throughout like the whole movie because like at first he's gung-ho he's like all right let's go we're gonna save the world we're gonna figure out what's going on and then as soon as uh it's revealed what Arisham actually plans you see him he's still on the journey but he noticeably is like I don't I don't know if I can do this like this is something that, like it's natural order of things like it has to be done and that's a struggle he continuously goes through. But at the same time, he doesn't want people to get hurt. Like when he protects Drig, I think, from uh, Icarus when the, betrayal, when the betrayal happens. That made him so fascinating to me. And he was so interesting to watch, like the entire movie. Like every time he came on screen, both because 
I was like, oh, what are you going to do? Because one, he was really funny. He was a very, very funny character. And Camille did a wonderful job playing him. But also it was just like, I wonder how I kept thinking it was going to be him that betrayed the team. Yeah. Because of his celebrity status and how he could be kind of superficial. One celebrity status, but two, he he didn't agree with uh, the team doing something that he ideologically was opposed to. Yeah. And that and that was something that I was like, oh, shit, like, is this going to be it? I kind of hated that he kept a neutral stance was like, y'all can fight if you want. I won't stop you, but I don't think we should do this. I was like, okay, bitch ass finger gun power guy. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. He's 100%. What a, like, I was pissed at that. He's 100% in the wrong. Yeah. Perfectly Whoa. clear. <laughs> I, uh, that's why like, I love these because you could have like the, I, I love, that was one of my favorite scenes is when they're deciding what to do. Icarus and Sprite, you know, take an Uber to the volcano and <laughs> they take an Icarus shaped Uber. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Five star rating. And he, you know, Kingo says, I disagree with what you all are about to do because I think this is how it's supposed to go. I'm not willing to hurt you over my beliefs. And the yeah. struggle of his belief system and his love for mm-hmm. his family, the crossroads is, I'm just, I'm not going to fight you over it, but I'm also not going to support you. I'll I, see y'all later. Like, I, I really It's a healthy those. setting of boundaries, and I can appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. But I was also, you know, smooth brain, just vibes. I was like, go, fight! Finger <laughs> like, like that. that shit. Finger bang! For that, for that, mo- oh my god! For that moment in particular, I read that. I very much read that moment as like, um, he clearly doesn't like agree with what they're doing. But if push comes to shove, he's gonna do what he can to protect his family, mm-hmm. even if that means like someone is uh, someone among them is trying to kill each other. Mm-hmm. Is and I very because like you could see there's like a shot where after he protects uh, Druig you can see him kind of palm an energy blast like mm-hmm. back in his hand and he's trying to hide it from Icarus. And that to me was like, oh shit, like he could do this. Like this is a, like this is his breaking point yeah. of where he finally goes full send. And that was, it was so interesting to see something like that, uh, like the idea of a character being challenged morally and ideologically, like being pushed against like what they believe. Mm-hmm. And trying to navigate that. And again, he's in the wrong. 100%. I wish he would have shot the bitch. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I thought I thought he was going to show up at the, at the volcano. Yeah, I was like, waiting never for Never mind, it. I, changed my, I changed my mind. For the little <laughs> circle power dome thing that they did? Yeah, yeah. I, was, I was waiting for him to just come in and just... Just hell flying a helicopter boom. or I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, because he can't fly, so... Can't, yeah, so... so Chris at the end was like, damn it, I failed. And then he just flew into the sun and died? Or did he, is that like their portal I, back to Erishan? Like, I, he, dead. No. I think he, yeah. he, he threw himself into the sun. He just unalived yeah. himself. I don't know. Yeah. Died by suicide, yeah. yeah. I yeah. don't like that. I, no, I, I love that. I, I really, because I feel like there is a subtle fuck you to the Game of Thrones ending in this movie. Oh. In the casting, in the ending, except they should have gotten Dane Whitman, damn it. They should have freaking threw him into the fire. Who's Dane Whitman? <laughs> uh, Dane <laughs> Whitman is uh, Cersei's 
boyfriend. Oh, John Snow. Yeah, John Snow. John Snow. I I didn't like, so I hated his character. I thought he was kind of like simping for her in the weirdest way. He doesn't do much. And I'm just like, dude, she's obviously not interested. Like, just leave. But then at the end, he has his own little credit of him. And then it's like, who's talking to him? Like, so I actually know who he's talking to. Yeah, yeah. that's what Blade? makes me excited. Yeah, yeah. He's talking yeah. To yep, yep, yep. Yeah. and that kind of makes me excited because it's like, oh, but John oh, what the Snow. Fuck's happening here? I feel like he's a soft dude. Like, I don't know. The character he's really going to be, because he's supposed to be the Black Knight. Um, right. And that's something that I'm very curious about because. A lot of particularly because I read up on the character afterwards, like after I figured out who he was. Yeah. A lot of Dane Whitman specifically, because there's multiple Black Knights, just like there's multiple Captain Americas. Yeah. And multiple Iron Men and things like that. Um, I'm side note, I'm hoping we get an Ironheart sometime soon. Yes, really. Ironheart would be so cool. Yeah. But Dane Whitman's focus primarily is atoning for the sins of the past of like his ancestors mm-hmm. says everybody else in the black knight lineage used it to perpetuate fear anger and like would harm and kill people all the time and dane whitman is the first one to be like no i don't i'm a nice knight he's like i don't want to be known <laughs> like i don't want to be known for that i want to try to fix what my family did gotcha. yeah and yeah and the sword and the ebony blade is gonna possess him and make him kill Cersei. Oh my god! <laughs> if they do that, I will Whoa. be so mad. <laughs> Fridging. It's also funny that too. her name is Cersei, and two characters from Game of Thrones are in there. That's what I'm saying. It's a not so, not so subtle fuck you to Game of Thrones because the way Game of Thrones ended. Game of Thrones. Ah! It's ass. <laughs> Really quick, I have to go to the bathroom. <laughs> okay. Let's take I'll a bathroom be... break. Me too. Cool. I'll be back. I've been peeing on myself this whole time. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I'm too afraid to leave. Insecurities, once again. Oh my God, please we use that as a tagline. I probably don't don't make it the tagline of the episode. That's it. <laughs> So jump back into it, and it y'all brought this up a little bit earlier. Uh, Gilgamesh and Thena, did y'all get a romantic vibe from them, or was no. it merely okay? I personally I, did not either. I didn't either. Yeah, I thought they were um, friends that cared about each other. It could have been a romantic thing, but I think people lean towards romance because we all want to think about everybody fucking. That's <laughs> I well. It, I feel like he's more into her than she's t- into him, but there's definitely love there that, you know, he loves her enough to be her protector. Whether or not they consummated anything is anybody's guess. My, my, I would lean on the no part. I took it as kind of like a sibling. It's like uh, your brother or, or your sister is going through hardship and you're just like, hey, like if you need someone to talk to or like you need someone to take care of you i got you it's like mm-hmm. that that moment of like codependence mm-hmm. where he can provide and stuff like that yeah i'm also very curious as to how he fermented 
his fruit in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> He's a goddamn, you do not question that. <laughs> I'll take everything from his mouth. Um, what I, I was a man, Hello. but then Good also night. like resembled my dad. So I was like, this was kind of strange. Um, That's actually hilarious. Yeah, a little bit. Um, well, this is so what then... we call an Oedipus complex. <laughs> I didn't know that was you. And I was like, who's entered the chat? Like, I was like, someone is infiltrating you. Like, who dares? Someone just came in here. Um, I sort of started thinking, like, so when he's dying, you know, he's telling her to remember. And, you know, a little bit before that, they're talking and, uh, Gilgamesh and Thena and he's saying you know I would have she said thank you for watching over me and she, he says you know I would have done it I'll do it again on any planet or I would have done it in, on any planet and he says remember so the like fantasy fiction writer in my head was like oh what if watch this he remembers everything but he's cool he just doesn't want to force himself on her like maybe in a past planet they were a thing but since she doesn't remember he's like well I'll be with, I'll protect her and I'll be with her, even though I have all our memories of us being a couple, but clearly not take advantage of her. Just hopefully. But if he had her. all the memories, wouldn't he remember the last planet's destruction? Yeah. There are plot holes in your explanation, Damn funny it. man. See? <laughs> this is why I shouldn't be peeing on myself. And they all were like, oh, planet destruction. <gasps> Gasp. <laughs> Robert Jordan, you are not, sir. No, no, no. Uh, Side note, read Wheel of Time. It's so good. Uh, Wait, read what? Read Wheel of Time. It's so good. Oh. Uh, That's a a whole other thing we'd have to do another podcast for because it is so long. (laughs) By the way, that Emerald tablet is super interesting. I looked into it. There was, I think, somebody did a little thing about it. There is an anachronism, uh, two anachronisms in the movie that I noticed. One is Macari, when she was signing time, she pointed to a watch. Mm-hmm. So that's a tiny little anachronism. The second mm-hmm. one is the Emerald Tablet. The earliest known mention of the Emerald Tablet is 900. Anyway, it's a CE, CE, excuse mm-hmm. me. But she was asking for it in 500. BCE. So she like, she preceded asking about this thing. I'm interested because there were three mentions of the Emerald Tablet. One where she was inquiring about it and then twice during when they all meet up again when he, she was being shown because she actually got it. So the really interesting thing about the Emerald Tablet is it's an alchemist tablet. It has links to astrology as well as alchemy. Um, one of the most famous lines from it is as above, as below, which is kind of alchemy. Is in alchemy, is in witchcraft. Um, the other thing about it is it has a line that talks about emergence. The Emerald Tablet is a real thing. Yeah, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah, it talks about emergence. So it's it's very interesting, and I wonder if they're going to do a movie about it because they they showed it three times. Mm. That could have something to do with Arishim coming back. Now that you brought that up, because that's really interesting. Mm. Were there any uh, philosophies or concepts in the movie that you took as 
sort of commentary on our world now? For me, the biggest one, and this is just the one that I noticed because again, like this is something that I uh, have problems with. And it's one that I've seen brought up a handful of times, particularly with, with other different, just other different storylines in general and other different shows and movies. But or one of the philosophies that I saw in Fina, because there's, I think there's a handful, is very much, particularly with Fina, is you are not your trauma. That's not mm. you. Like, you know what you are and like you can live your life. You don't need to be dominated by what haunts you, for lack, mm. for lack of better phrasing. Yeah. There's more that I could probably think of if I thought real hard, but I'd have to see it again <laughs> to refresh myself. There are several things. I think to me, the largest overall theme of the movie, especially given that it came out during COP26, and, and also because Tiamat, I forgot to look up Tiamat, Tiamat. to see Tiamat yeah. to see what it means, actually, and what language it comes from. But because Tiamat was turned into an iceberg, that it basically, this movie was about climate change and the need for us to all come together and basically stop this and stop global warming. Also because the main character is a Brit of Chinese descent. I mean, the, the, not the character, but the uh, actress, which is very significant because um, in this movie, China in that re- casting is represented, America is represented, as well as India. These are three of the largest um, carbon emitters in the world. America per capita, China, India um, in aggregate. So it's kind of interesting to have them working together or sometimes not working together, <laughs> but it would be good to have them work together to reduce carbon footprint, obviously, because I, I do feel like we're kind of running out of time. So you bring up uh, TMS because I just did a quick Google search. According to Babylonian mythology, Tiamat is the mother of goddesses and is particularly in control of the primordial ocean. Mm. So there's, I made the joke about Freud earlier. There probably is something there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think it, it is in keeping them with the, the climate change theme because yeah. um, obviously we are seeing, ironically enough, we are seeing Spain has a volcano that is erupting right now. And in the movie, they were shooting it in the Canary Islands, which is like south of Spain. So it's kind of ironic because they shot it, what, like two years ago? Mm -hmm. And now it's actually happening, this volcano thing. Yeah. Um, I thought there was a lot of religious themes that like, I don't know, maybe because like I'm, so like as a Muslim, I feel like they don't really talk about the spirit realm or spirituality as much as I would like to. So I do a lot of digging on that. Mm-hmm. I felt like Arisham coming back and being like, so you broke the rules, but let's go through your, you know, your lives, your deeds, and basically that they're going to be waiting for judgment day. So in the present, they're kind of in like purgatory, you know, or what we would call Barzak. And it's like their deeds or their lives are going to be evaluated and, whatever's going to happen could be destruction and punishment 
Or it could be like, hey, live your happy life with your humans. Mm. Another thing was the deviants reminded me of the Islamic version of the Gog and Magog story, or like Yajjumajuj, which is basically like these beasts, these creatures that have been locked up by the Rukovnan or the general with two horns. So some people think it might be Alexander the Great. Some people are like, no, per evidence, no. So this person's mentioned in the Quran where he says that he like uses iron to like close a valley and they're trapped in there. And every night they have to like dig out. But then when they go to sleep, if they don't say inshallah, which means, you know, God willing, you know, tomorrow we can keep going. That hole continuously fills up. And that one day when they learn, oh, okay, inshallah, and they go to bed, they wake up that what they've dug will still be dug. Mm. And, but when they break free, it's been said that they're going to like, it's towards the end of, you know, end of days, they'll eat everything in their path. They'll kill everything in their path. They'll spread disease. And then eventually they'll die of their own disease. I feel like there is uh, the Eternals are kind of like a premature, like Messiah type thing where like these people are being eaten by the deviants and then Ereshem sends them to like protect them. And now that they're period. So in the Quran, and I think in the Bible, it's a seven year like rule with Jesus coming back as the Messiah before everything ends completely. But this just happened to be a, a you know, a life span of human existence where they came they helped they existed and then now it's time for the destruction yeah that's kind of what i was thinking as i was watching this um the thing that i think is definitely the most interesting with that reading is considering that erishim is the one that made the deviants as well right and yeah. god made gog and magog and all the lot of them too so it's just like erishem's in control of everything on the planet including the humans and the eternals and the deviants and the seed that's going to be growing in that planet weirdly enough you bringing up seed and i'm sorry i finished playing a completely i finished playing a game that was all about like letting people have the freedom to choose stuff by the end of it, you could kind of read it, especially if it's like with planting the seed, you could kind of read it if you look at it in like a feminist kind of view as something that's meant to be about having that choice, a lot being allowed to have like the freedom to choose for yourself. Yeah. Like, like what you do, you do with keep... like a child. Cause yeah. it's, cause they're stopping, they're effectively aborting the emergence of Tiamat. <laughs> so it's like, huh, that's very curious. It also helps to that primarily like the ones that are leading that decision are uh, the one that kind of heads that decision and is chosen to give that final communication with Mm -hmm. the dad is Cersei and she's the one that stops it. So it's like you could I don't I don't know how that I don't know how that just came to my brain right now, but here we are. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I think it tackles a lot of these political issues that have been in the fore over the past um, decades. But, you know, especially now, that's really, we're really struggling with. And and I really like this particular movie, partly because unlike the other superhero movies and action movies, a lot of them are just like a repetition of the story of the Christian Jesus. 
you know, the sacrifice, the Ironman sacrifice. I mean, I'm just like, and, and also it's just like one single person gets sacrificed. It's always this one hero who gets sacrificed. And I really like that there's, there's a lot of teamwork involved and that, you know, the, the heroine turned out to be somebody who was not willing, but didn't, she was not sacrificed. And I like that it doesn't, it doesn't kind of pound you in the face with Christian iconography, which it doesn't bash uh, you on the head with it. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I feel like a lot of movie really just does that. And I'm like, you know, I already think Hollywood is grooming in many ways. And I think this is just another way that Hollywood grooms us into, into not accepting a multi-religious world that we live in. So I really like that they didn't, go that route. And I like that they brought in other philosophies, like killing oneself uh, at the end of the movie because of due to shame. So the furball, furball uh, is half Japanese. Kevin, is it? So I, I feel like that probably played into the fact uh, he's one of the writers is Kevin and I forget mm-hmm. their cousins. Um, and also the I, I love the the Hiroshima scene. Uh, I but I think it could have been shot uh, in a different way. I yeah. really think it should have been shot in a different way, um, uh, rather than just the mushroom cloud again. I think there 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 are many ways of um, approaching that subject. Um, that's, um, you know, but, but I think I read an article saying that um, they actually fought to keep that scene in there, which is very important um, for Mer- Americans to examine what price we're willing to pay with other people's lives in mm-hmm. order to win. Yeah. yeah. I also think that with that scene, I can't remember if there's a geotag on there. But I feel yes. like there, there was, yeah. Yeah. Okay, yeah, because that's American history, and if you still don't know, it's stupid, it, dummies. But <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm a huge geography nerd, but I'm yeah. glad that that was said because that goes back to Festus quitting. Like he's just like, mm-hmm. I'm not doing this anymore because look. To me, the yeah. geotag, the geotag is one of those examples of it done well because it's like. Because there have been a bunch of nuclear tests, like war tests, right. uh, like. Uh, but given the story and what it's implying, like yeah, for for me, that when the geotag shows up, that it's Hiroshima, it kind of gives that gut punch of oh, mm-hmm. oh fuck, <laughs> um, and but it's that's one why- of the. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry, that's why I think it could have been done differently. Um, for instance, there was a recent article, relatively recent article, that talked about the nuclear shadows. It left the nuclear blast was so bright and that basically wherever there was a person, it left what looked like a shadow, but really it just bleached out the rest uh, of the landscape. Yeah. So they could have started there. And maybe started with a Japanese-looking fabric um, that cast that shadow, and then pull into the cloud. You know, other ways because I feel like showing a nuclear cloud is at this point lazy, because you know that is always the that is 
generally how we think of nuclear war. But that is a bigger picture that does not show the fact that in the flash of a few seconds, 10,000 people died. Mm -hmm. So there was no evidence. It was like destroyed architecture, but. Well, there was, there was. It was just the way that these nuclear bomb drops are shown is always the cloud. It never gets into the nitty gritty. There was evidence. There was evidence because. No, I mean, in the scene, like in the scene, like all I saw was dilapidated buildings that have yeah. been exploded yeah, yeah. there it wasn't was bodies buildings. there weren't crashed cars or whatever there would have been there wasn't was a def- there wasn't definitive architecture to yeah. like convey it yeah it was very clean it was mm-hmm. very uh sterilized shot of what happened maybe they had to do that because that's I, still like you said a sensitive spot it is it is it like, is y'all did this remember yeah Oh, and I like the fact that they also brought in the Hindu religion when they were at the wedding and also the funeral uh, for Gilgamesh. So this movie also have religious representation that's multi-religious, multi-linguistic. Exactly. I just, I love the representation, the different layers of representations of this mm. movie. <laughs> yeah. I just have two more questions and we could yeah. all go sleepy sleepy or whatever you do with your life and um, I gotta eat <laughs> yes you will eat shoot I lost it no. why, how would you no. feel if there was an elderly eternal because you have Sprite uh, that's with... Pierce Brosnan I'm saying <laughs> <laughs> no we gotta, like bring, we gotta bring in another one. white guy named Chris to do it yeah exactly yeah okay. Pierce Chris what's the difference yeah um, <laughs> Pierce is superior that's true. That's true. Um, so I saw it for a second time yesterday with uh, my wife and our son, and she pointed out that they're all about 20s, 30s, 40s, except for, you know, Sprite. Why isn't there anyone who's sort of just a little bit physically older? I mean, and, I and- kind of attributed it to just like, when are you at your physical peak? Yeah, that's kind of how I figured, because they want people, they would want people that uh, Arisham was making them with the intention of them being like at their strongest in different points. And maybe with like a, with Sprite being so young is because, Oh, the young people are so quick witted. If you're older, you can't really do that much in a fight unless you're like, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Unless you're like very experienced in combat. If Jackie Chan was an eternal, I would buy the nft to this movie i don't all spend actually (laughs) now that i say that now that i say that that would actually be really interesting if like they had like an elderly eternal and rather than like it being fina that has the memories it's that eternal Mm. and Mm. that's why like they're so good at fighting is because they remember the past past times that they did that yeah Mm. I could do a whole thing on like how I would restructure some of this movie just to have stronger writing, but That's it's so hard to well, change because yeah. you'd have to change so much. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of editing that could be oh, done. Yeah. And I don't mean necessarily making the movie shorter because I didn't really feel the time of this movie. So. I did. No. <laughs> Real quick. I, I also did. <laughs> I I didn't, I just, and I, again, I, I'm willing to go see it another time in IMAX. I yeah. There's just so, so much to it. There's yeah. something I wanted to say. 
Uh, which I should. God. Come back to me. I'll come you, back. You agree with me about my Gilgamesh remembers everything and loves Cena before. Um, who... <laughs> <laughs> uh, Harry Styles is in the movie. You wish. Yeah, <laughs> stop trying to make fetch happen, Michael. I love Gilgamesh. <laughs> I love that they call like Gil. I thought, okay, Gilgamesh um, so cool. uh, I wish we had oh, more time with him. I know. <laughs> so, two kind of question. Uh, who is your favorite character? And be like, what? Like, why? And then, what was your favorite scene? Ooh. Derek, he reminds me of Fogel, but like super, like super powered. <laughs> Fogel said, feels super bad. McLovin. Yeah, I, I just want to make this clear. You're saying yeah. Fogel from. He reminds me of McLovin. 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 I, <laughs> I enjoyed his like I love, love for humanity, so where he was like, "Nah, fuck this shit. Like, I'm gonna break the rules because these motherfuckers is killing each other and they're dying. Like, poor like." Tight, or the, I don't know if they were tight. They weren't the Tainos. It was probably the Aztecs or uh-huh. the Mayans were being mm-hmm. obliterated. And he was like, fuck the colonizer. And I was like, yeah, kill the Spanish. Well, you know, so I was really happy. Um, thought, <laughs> I'm really into watching true crime and like how cults happened and stories from people who escaped them. And I was like, oh, he has his own cult. I wonder what kind of cult it is. You know, and I was really into, interested in that. And my, I think my favorite scene is when him and um oh my god the girl that's deaf what's her name Macari. 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 when they reunited and people were oh like dude ew, what's going on here and i'm yeah. just like oh they're <laughs> they're the, like power yeah. couple I yeah. yeah i just i really enjoyed it that was that was it that's my two cents mm-hmm. uh my favorite character of this whole movie is Cersei. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Whoa. <laughs> Delete the podcast. Start over. Start it over. <laughs> Tristan. Um, get them out. Get them out of here. Um, if, if I had to pick one character, because I liked a lot of the characters in this, I'd probably, I would probably have to go with Kingo, like, every time. Because mm-hmm. he, he's such, like I mentioned before, it's so interesting follow him following him struggle with like his ideology and like the challenge of it and having to figure it out uh, going on throughout the movie and even at the end like he still is like yeah i didn't want to do it but i'm not but i'm happy that you guys stopped it it you kind of got a sense of like he's starting to turn on it like he's starting to like change his mind And that, to me, he's such a very deep character. And Loki makes me mad that we didn't get (laughs) at nearly that much depth with every character of the cast, which is hard to do because it is 10 characters. But my favorite scene of the movie, for me, I'm always like a fan of like the little moments. I really liked the scene where, and funnily enough, Kingo's not in this scene. I liked the scene where they found, uh, like, when they went and re- and visited Ajax for the first time, like Sprite, Icarus, and Cersei, and she's not there. And what won me over is because I like very emotional scenes. I like the smaller details. Is um, Cersei plays the last memory that she has with Ajax as uh, an illusion. Mm. And it's them dancing in the kitchen. And that's just like a, yeah, with Sprite. And it's such like a small, tender moment because it's like their whole thing is they're like, oh, we're not humans. We're not humans. 
it kind of gives that moment of like, this is the humanity that you guys have. Like, this is you as people. And that to me is just, that hit me more like emotionally. It resonated with me a lot more than like when we lost Gilgamesh, when Icarus threw him, flew too close to the sun. That was a joke. Uh, (laughs) um, (laughs) It it hit me a lot more than a, a lot of the other moments that are meant to be like big and impactful because it's a very small moment. It, it's a very small, like subtle thing that they did, but it adds like that layer of like, these aren't just like some random, well, they are like some random robots, but they're not just anything. They're people like us, if they want to admit it or not. And that was just like a really, it just, it hit me a lot more than I thought it would for something as small as that. So I didn't really have a favorite character or favorite scene uh until you ask this question and i it's tied to a criticism i have for the film which is this very anthropocentric nature of this movie i wish they and the deviants worked together mm. and and that leads me to conclude that my favorite character is actually crow and my favorite scene is right after he killed gilgamesh and absorbed his power and obtain the power of speech and he says i remember now and that tragedy of what he said was utterly tragic because it linked the two of them together the deviants and the eternals of in his realization that they were all pawns Mm. in the celestial game and it's kind of shakespearean in that moment and that's what i love about it and i that's why i have such a problem with this movie being so anthropocentric in that they never somehow found a way to work together with the deviants i mean it works well for the mcu universe because if you look at deviants and how they absorb power it's very similar to uh, and also how they're being portrayed they're very similar to shang chi's those we're so flying people. yeah yeah exactly yeah, the, exactly the eldritch Monsters. horror that flies out of the mountain mouth yeah exactly mountain and that that mouth. also plays into the myth that he's <laughs> so so into what you were talking about that mythology of endings because because shang chi also talked about you know the, the they wanted to stop the other world from coming in. And those were the otherworldly deviants. They're very similar, right? So I wonder how, you know, all the energies could be worked together. And and that's why I, I just, I found it very problematic, this anthropocentric view of the world, especially if you look at this movie as a commentary on climate change, because we're the one who's screwing up this planet. and. Can I just bring up one more point? Yeah. Which is, I feel like, again, there's, I don't know if it's done consciously or unconsciously, all the pairings very much still centers whiteness because all the pairings and also all the death, uh, not all the death, but two of the early death is characters of color. So the pairings are all, a character of color with somebody who's portrayed by a Caucasian act, actor or actress. 
So no matter what, it still seems like, you know, somebody being Caucasian is the, the desired outcome. Pairing with somebody who's Caucasian is the desired outcome, which I found that that messaging, whether it's intentional, intentional or not, very problematic. Mm -hmm. I feel like it's a desire. I feel like interracial, like white plus other ethnicity, that type of pairing is always desired by white people because it gives them the opportunity to visualize themselves with something more savory and exotic. That being said, I feel like that narrative in white supremacy, where it's this secret, like even back to, you know, when slave masters would sleep with their slaves or have a specific slave that they slept with and raped repeatedly and prefer them over their own white wife. That is so deeply rooted in white supremacy that people don't even see it anymore. Because although there are people of color who do find white people attractive and, you know, great and fall in love and have babies and things like that. As a black woman, I'm constantly fetishized by white men, white men that want to see what the spice is all about. And I think that when movies portray like Gemma being with Jon Snow and then Gemma being with Icarus, it's like Gemma could have been with one of the two guys could have been non-white, but they chose not to. And then you have Angelina and Gilgamesh and even with uh, Druig and his partner, I always forget her name. Um, (laughs) They're all like their only pair was Hephaestus and his husband. And even that it's just like, his husband wasn't an eternal. He was just a, a human just being a that dude. would die off. Just okay. a dude. And even though he was Middle Eastern, he wasn't black. He was still light right. skin. It was just some, something a little more palatable. Mm. And, and also Kinko with Sprite. Kinko, Kinko wants to mimic Icarus because Sprite is into Icarus. Mm. I mean, this is, again, to aspire to be with a white character. And that's right. the problem. This is the perpetuation of, you know, eugenic idealism. See, I didn't notice all of these romantic pairings. I don't know if you could tell that by the everything about me. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But those are, thinking about it now, those are very good points. It's definitely one of those, like, kind of, like, subtle, well, somewhat subtle commentaries, or not commentaries, but, like, a messaging that they kind of throw in. And at the same time, it's like, hmm, just, Even if it's not on purpose, it means their subconscious is used to that. Yeah. They're writing from the heart, which is white supremacy. <laughs> so even if the people of who wrote it were people of color, they could, if they were, like you said, one of them, I sound like she was Asian American or Asian and uh, some other, you know, European nationality. Yeah. Being East Asian, like Chinese, Taiwanese, Japanese, Korean, it's very adjacent to whiteness versus the Cambodians, Laotians, and Thai people that are more brown and go through more discrimination. It, even as a person of color, the, their white adjacentness also could be something that's preventing them from seeing that narrative happening. Mm. And especially the fetishization of East Asian women by white, white, white men. You know, it's a white man. Dang it, Bobby. That boy ain't right. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. I love it. <laughs> I'm so there. sorry for distracting. <laughs> 
my favorite is Bobby's girlfriend's mom. <laughs> were they were they Vietnamese or were they Cambodian? Um, I Vietnamese. think. No, I, I think just they always Viet- remember the mom. They were from Laos. They're from You're Laos. Right. Yeah. They were they're from Laos. And the mom would always be like, Peggy Hill. It's just the way she said it with anger every time. It made me love it. Um, By the way, I just want to say, though, um, the adjacent to whiteness, I feel like, is also, in in a way, playing into this division among especially people of color. Because if you look into East Asian, even, you know, the ones you name Chinese, Japanese, Korean, there is a lot of differentiation in coloration as well. Mm -hmm. It's not... Absolutely. And I'm not making it like a generalization. I I mean, adjacent in a sense of it's the darker you are, the more problems you have societally, no matter what country you're from. I mean, people are Michael's skin tone, my skin tone and darker than me in the country that I'm from in East Africa. So I understand that there's nuances and stuff. I'm just saying that in a sense where sometimes people have privilege in whether they understand it or not. It is there. My cousin is milky white. We have the same grandmother, but she gets treated so much better than I do. And that's just the reality. She's adjacent to whiteness. Doesn't make her white or white. I, I'm not dividing us. I'm just saying that from outside perceiving us. Wait, but yeah. My my problem with that is always um, the one of pain Olympics. Because unfortunately, it is very multi-layered, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's not. I mean, think of what happened in COVID. Here's another reason I love the movie of the daring of releasing a movie portraying an Asian person as the hero, East Asian person, mm-hmm. in a year where COVID just stimulated so much bigotry against East Asian people. East, I, I mean, this is not one that involves colorism, even though mm-hmm. colorism obviously is a factor in a lot of discrimination. But the fact is, there is discrimination um, that we don't talk about amongst minorities or actually marginalized groups. Rather, mm-hmm. I'd rather say that than minorities because we're not minorities in the global context right. at all. So I, I think it's very, I never want to play into pain Olympics because we never know what pain people have gone through. Exactly. Uh, I'm not debunking any of that. I completely agree with you. We, we say oppression Olympics, um, but I feel like that concept is very similar. My point being is that depending on who a person is, their story is being told differently is my point. So I'm not bringing colorism into the problem. I'm just saying that like when someone is of fair skin, their experience is going to be very different than someone who is of a darker skin. So that adjacent to whiteness topic that I'm discussing with these characters of color that are being paired with love interests that might be white, that could just be her experience or what she's been taught to believe per who she is, where she comes from, who's around her. Well, I I would actually also say that just given the fact that the director is dating some someone who's of European descent, the two writers, one I didn't look into, so I because they're cousins, I 
not not with the director. The two writers are cousins with each other, one of whom I know is Japanese Eurasian, so of Japanese descent, and the other parts I don't remember. The other one, I don't know if he's mixed or not. So I think that definitely has a probably, you know, for them, it would not be a problem to because they see in their parents and Correct. in their lives this dating of you know uh, Europe people of European descent and that in itself on an individual level is not a problem in a real life scenario that's not a problem Absolutely. unless we know that somebody is dating in order to social climb or to exotify or to say to say oh i'm not racist because i'm dating somebody of color you know that mm -hmm. sort of scenario but when it is being depicted in media because there's so little representation that becomes a problem especially given that so many pairings in this movie of diverse representation is still a person of color with one of European descent. That to me is the issue. No, I absolutely agree. And my point was that they wrote what they wrote for the storyline because of their experiences. Whether they are half Asian, half of European descent, or they saw their parents doing that, or that's just currently what they are a part of. They were doing it for whatever reason that their reasoning was. However, I didn't know any of that prior to this moment and you telling me the backstory of these writers. I didn't know any of that. So watching it, I'm just like, hmm, white is right. You know, it's kind of like what's being portrayed to me and I hate that. And right. so it's interesting that that information is out there, but then again, it circles back to moviegoers. We don't get that deep sometimes. Like I would never watch a documentary about a movie because it ruins the movie for me sometimes. Huh. Like it will maybe show me how terrible the movie actually is. And sometimes I just want to watch a movie just to watch a movie. You know what I mean? Right. Nice. Um, I think context is important. I also think that sometimes we don't always get the context. Um, like in the movie, they don't, they're not going to be like, oh, wait, but the writers are half this and half that. And so we don't have that context. And so those messages can be perceived however they're perceived. And that type of controversy just happens in the media so much when it comes to artistic representation that we have to be careful, but without compromising our own art. Yeah, I totally agree with you on that. And that's why I love that we have this podcast. We have this episode talking about it because too many times the cr critics themselves are white males of European, you know, descent. And that is problematic because you can see in their criticism that even when they take into present diverse representation into account, they don't realize how big a deal this is. Yeah. You could say this is a very human experience thank you thank you, thank you everybody <laughs> good night uh <laughs> credits roll and then that's it my favorite character <laughs> <laughs> oh we're still on that <laughs> never answer um, hold on i have to tell you I about my family <laughs> jimmy's man oh uh was fastos you know with him being excited to help humanity and then to lose all faith in humanity and then him finding it again through his partner and his his child i love that arc of that that up and down 
maybe as a whole humans are maybe on average terrible or whatever it may be but him saying okay well there is some good in the world my favorite was uh it's it's at the end of the movie when they're chilling on the couch and Thena and Fastos's son are in the kitchen and he's trying to the kid is trying to reach the orange and she uses her spear out of her hand or whatever to get the orange and you see Fastos goes oh god oh god he gets up so fast (laughs) no 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 and I've had that like I'll see my son do something and I'll go, oh, wait, whoa, no, no, no. And like, just that. <laughs> that dad reflex. That dad reflex and just that, that trying to explain, like, we use our words. And Thena goes, oh, like when, when you beat the, the shit out of whatever on the beach. <laughs> he goes, I spoke firmly. I spoke firmly. Um, it's like that TikTok of the kid running around. What do you have? A Oh god! Me neither. And I spent Uh, entirely too many hours on that app. Oh god! What a vibe! Yeah. So embarrassed. Thank y'all for for being on. I I I truly appreciate it. Picking your brain about this. I'm sorry for the entirely too long diatribe that I took. I no. I need (laughs) all of it. Seventy percent of the time. I needed this conversation. I was like, I need to talk to somebody. I need to talk to somebody about this. Right? Oh my God, yes. (laughs) Yes. So I I truly appreciate all your time. So thank you so much. Yeah. Let's do this again. From the top. Let's do it. Do the entire entire Eternals conversation again. Yeah. Everybody change your clothes and then we'll come right back to this. Exactly. Welcome to week two. The screen is fading to black. Oh, Oh, no. no. (laughs) Oh, no. Have a a good night, y'all. Okay. Have a good night. Thank you. It was nice meeting you. This movie challenges people from looking at action movies, superhero movies with a very binary lens in multiple ways, obviously.